state of Nebraska means so much to me. This program is everything. This is my life right now, and doing everything I can to, to get this where everybody wants it as fast as possible. Um, it certainly uh, hasn't gotten there as quick as I want it to, but I, I have, haven't for one second lost hope uh, and belief in where we're going and what we're doing. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Despite the rumors, there's no truth that I will be the starting quarterback this weekend against Penn State. <laughs> also with Mac. You asked for a season, Redcasters. Well, now you got it. Hey, listen, folks, we knew it was going to be a little rough going to start, but hey, we still have football. We still have games to play. And I did hear, however, that Micah Parsons is going to go ahead and opt back in for this one game. So just bear with us. You know, it's <laughs> we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. That would be our luck, Mac. It would Absolutely. Be. Also with Boomer tonight. Well, I'm just glad we had a nice spirited Twitter discussion over the weekend on uh, proper breakfast drinks because we've got a whole slew of 11 a.m. kickoffs in our future here. Yeah, we better get used to those 11 a.m. or Mountain Time uh, 10 a.m. Uh, if we don't get another win under our belt and soon. Uh, Honky, thanks for coming out last weekend. We had a blast except for a difficult loss once again, uh, this time hands of Wildcat, the Wildcats of Northwestern. You know, uh, I keep on going back to our, our Loud Noises uh, show from last year, right, guys? And, um, you know, we had this this thing about, well, the, the progress has to manifest itself into wins here soon, and we're still waiting for those wins, but um, I am seeing progress in certain areas. Uh, Honky, your, your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think the, the number one word that keeps coming across my mind is youth. And I'm going to sound a little bit like PJ Fleck, I guess, in the uh, in the process of saying it, but this is an incredibly <laughs> it's an incredibly young team and I even thought in week 2 we got younger. Uh, you know, <laughs> you do sound like PJ Fleck. Well, Technically they're 2 weeks older honky, but I, Well, we know. went from two seniors. True. Yeah, we go from two senior inside linebackers to Luke Reimer, a sophomore now taking over one of those spots. We went from having two senior safeties to having Miles Farmer pretty much, I think, taking over a spot with two interceptions Ooh, and a good, shots fired. good game there. So, you know, there's positions. We're going to focus a lot, I know, on one position where it might get changed over. Or and younger. And younger. But uh, but there's other ones, too. We're not cleaning house or anything. It's just this is the process right now of playing this season. We need games. And the most important thing to me right now on Saturday against Penn State is that we play Penn State. We can't afford to have – more weeks off and everything. Frost says we get better with each game. We need to keep playing games because we'll learn more about ourselves here and we're going to get some more opportunities for guys that there's a lot of positive too that we got to see here uh, this last weekend. We just need to see more of it with some of these players. Mac, I mean, some of the stats are, are mind-boggling, right? 28 first downs, 442 yards of offense, and yet only 13 points. Yeah, Dave, another on-paper win for the Huskers. It gets difficult, and I understand every Husker fan out there being just, you know, frustrated to the nth degree after watching another loss of a game that we probably should have won. But, you know, hindsight, you, you take a step back and you watch the game again. And because we do this podcast, it forces me to rewatch games that I would never rewatch. But, <laughs> but I do see things through that lens, and I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Now, there's some improvement to be made there. 
And one of the things that was completely overshadowed by this loss was how good the defense did play. And not to to PJ Fleckett, but we are young. And it's not that we're young and that's my excuse to why we're losing. It's it's the youth that's encouraged me for the wins going forward yes. yet this season. I'm not saying that's why we're losing. In fact, a little more youth would have probably contributed to a win, in my opinion, in this last week. So that's encouraging to me. Now it's coming down to Frost has done a good enough job of recruiting and developing to the point where now we're starting to question a little bit of the coaching decisions and, and our identity, and that does fall squarely on him, which in its own way is sort of progress. And and I hope, like heck, that that's what he addresses going forward against Penn State. You know, I know they're 0-3. We've got our hands full with them, though, and we're both going to be very hungry for a win. You know, at least it's about mid-November. We're going to have our first home game. So, I mean, that's something to get excited for. Hey, downtown Lincoln, get ready. You know, the wind started to kicking up, and uh, it's going to be about, what, 40 degrees for kickoff. But, hey, guys, we've got football games to talk about, and that's at least something in this year of 2020. That's absolutely right, Mac. You know, I mean – this podcast, uh, if we could keep on doing this, we've only seen 13 wins as a show, right? Collectively, Boomer. You know, we just got to gotta hang in there. Uh, rest of the fan base has to hang in there. And as Frost is, is saying, maybe that corner that we're going to turn is coming up. Well, if there's any podcast that can turn things around, it's definitely this one. So just hang in there with us, folks. <laughs> That's right. Or Boomer will just pour another drink. So don't worry. That about works it. too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Hunk, uh, I think we want to just kind of let our Redcasters uh, vet a little bit and uh, ask some questions. Are we opening up the mailbag tonight? Is that right? Yeah, we asked the, the Redcasters uh, what their thoughts were, and you guys uh, answered in full, man. I th- over 40 questions and comments coming in through our uh, social media, at GoBigRedcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and in our GoBigRedcast at Gmail inbox. So thank you to all you guys there. We did the same thing last year after the Colorado loss, and I find that this show is kind of cathartic actually for us as much as it is hopefully for you guys listening because it does help us as we comprehend what we just saw. You take the good that you can take out of it. You try to improve on that, and that's where we go with it. You've got mail. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. What's in the bag? A shark or something? All right, well, first question there in the, the mailbag this week comes from Jack Erkey. And he said, are we being too hard on a team that has only played two games with no bowl practices, no spring game since November 29th last year? Should we honestly expect them to have everything fixed that was previously broken, especially against two of the better teams in the conference? Obviously, we want to win, but I've left these two games feeling generally optimistic about the young talent and the strides made, especially on defense. So there's a lot there to unpack. I'm going to start with you, Mac, on that. Based off Jack's question there, I mean, are are people getting too crazy right now? Or are we seeing the, the right things? And, and there's a lot of positives to take away. Where are you at right now after two games and three weeks of football? Jack, thanks for the question. And I appreciate that with the phrasing of it because it is fair to say that this team has, has those obstacles to overcome, as you mentioned. We didn't have the bowl game practice and we didn't have the spring game, although – the spring game is true for a lot of teams. Fixing things that were previously broken, yes. I mean, we've had a lot of things that were broken previously. And and to that point, I think we have fixed a lot of those things. We can go ahead and remove the, the player development and physicality and the size and strength of our team. We're there on that. 
As far as scheme goes, I think we're fine with our scheme. Defensively, we look great. I mean, you know, people were pretty hard on chins going into the season, and I don't think there's a place you can point to the defense and say that's a glaring issue that we have. Now, I love Husker Nation because we would beg and beg and beg and beg and beg just to have a season. Doesn't I don't care if we go oh and whatever, as long as we get a play. The second we go into it's like, what is Frost <laughs> doing? And it's all true, and it's all right, and you should feel that way, you know, because we got to feel some type of way about our football season. Honk, you and I have talked about it. I do see all the progress. I do see all of the promise that this team holds. It's a simple matter of getting over that hump, getting a win, and letting that ball get rolling down the hill. So I'm, I'm generally optimistic as well. But, I mean, until we start putting victories on the board and still the, until these yards start equating into points – it's just going to be really hard to stomach for, for, for most of Husker Nation. And I'm part of that nation too. So I'm not trying to say, calm down Husker Nation. I'm not Bill Moose telling you to be patient. It's time to start winning some games. Yeah. And it's, it, the time is actually this week. We got to win a game. The wins have to start coming. Dave, you know, I was out there in Colorado with you watching it. You know, what's your thoughts on, on Jack's question there? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. The wins have got to come, but I mean, there's a lot of other positives you can take from this team. I mean, I know that's, it's hard when, it's frustrating to watch, at least with the scoreboard, right? But, I mean, to your point, there's a lot of players that are showing themselves right now that are revelations, and and you, I think I'm, I'm getting really excited. The defensive side of the ball, Ty Robinson, Luke Reimers, uh, Miles Farmer, offense. Uh, you know, we had had a, finally saw a couple of those wide receivers play and contribute. Maybe we have Luke McCaffrey giving that spark to the offense next week. It was an odd game, Hawk, in the sense of, like, I watched it, and you're so torn because you're so frustrated about the losses and how we lose because we still don't do the things that win games. Mac, you're right. The defense looked markedly better this Saturday, but they still gave up too many third and fourth down conversions when it really counted. Offensively, uh, we still don't execute in the red zone like we need at all, and we have some maddening play calls, but there's just you have to balance those frustrations with the player development that I'm seeing, the talent that we're recruiting and bringing into the program. And that should be all additive at some point, And it's going to pay off. It's just frustrating that we don't see it on the scoreboard and in the win call. Yeah. Boomer. I mean, optimistic. Uh, are you frustrated right now? What did you see with special teams? What were your thoughts? You guys hit on a lot of the right things that there are a lot of good young players that really are standing out from this game. Even in the first, you know, the first two games, we've seen some people stepping up, filling slots, you know, whether it's injury or people out, things like that. So that is promising. You know, sure, we've only played two games, didn't get to, you know, to play since last November, didn't have a bowl game. Well, that's true for a lot of teams. I mean, Northwestern didn't go to a bowl game last year. They didn't have a spring game and... They're three and zero. They and they're breaking in a new quarterback to the team. Granted, he's a four year starter, so you know teams have challenges. Everybody has weird challenges, especially this season. So I don't want to use that as any kind of excuse. It's nothing unique to us. Uh, you know there are things that clearly need to be fixed, and these first two games have just shown what those are. Some of those are the same things that have haunted this program seemingly forever. You know whether it's turnovers, penalties. And like Mac mentioned earlier, it does kind of start raising questions about, you know, what kind of coaching decisions are we making? If you go into this season and you know you didn't have spring ball to, to practice and yet we have the goofy schedule, 
Should we be simplifying the playbook? You know, things like that are the things we need to start looking for. You know, how can we build the rest of the season and make it successful or what we what we want to call a success this year? Yeah, there's plenty of positives to take away from this. We can also look at it that we've lost the two teams that are 6-0 combined. They're most likely going to be the front runners to win each side of the divisions right now and represent the conference in the championship game if the season continues the way it looks right now. And on top of that, you know, we didn't have a spring, but we had a real long fall camp. We had a lot of practices. In fact, we were told about how many practices were going on, you know, in August and September and October. So that's every bit as valuable in terms of at least playbook, you know, knowledge of the system that I'm hoping that we can start to see these freshmen get out there real quick. And to that even greater point, we have had so much youth out there already. I mean, they are getting out there. So, Jack, that's a great first question. I think it's a that was a positive way to kind of get the conversation started here because I know we're going to get into some harder questions as we start talking about specific personnel groupings. Dave, I want to throw the next question at you, and this is from Jake Dunworth. You mentioned, Dave, in the last one, you go, it's how we lost. And Jake asked the question, he says, finish drives, finish drives, finish drives. The stats on this game weren't bad, but if you can put points on the board when you get in the red zone, the rest of the stats mean nothing. This could have easily been a 34-21 victory. Well, I think that plays right into the yards for points and everything that you've talked about a lot in the past. So, I mean, when you hear Jake say that and you talk about it's how we lose, it's how we lost this, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the inefficiency of this offense is, is mind-boggling. I um, mean, and the stats we're throwing, we're throwing around today on a lot of different of the radio shows and, and newspaper articles. You know, Sam McEwen mentioned that we, had, I think, had 28 first downs, which should result in, in a lot more points than 13. That's for certain, right? But, you know, the yards per point stat that I often reference really, I think, illustrates this. Uh, in this game in particular, right? We had 442 yards of offense off of 88 plays. First of all, 88 plays, that is a heck of a lot of plays. And then you, you produce 442 yards of offense, which actually is, is pretty darn good. It's a lot more than what Northwestern produced, uh, but that only resulted in 13 points. If you do the math, the yards per point is for every 34 yards of offense we produced, we we got one point for it. You were even mentioning that if you took the one touchdown away, right? Like if we didn't score our one touchdown, a one-play, three-yard touchdown drive, what does that even do to the points per yard? Exactly. So now now we are down to 439 yards of offense for the six remaining points on the board. So that would be somewhere around 73 yards for every point that we put up. So you, we're traveling the entire length of the football field to get a point, yeah. right? I mean, you just don't mm-hmm. win football games. That that tells me that we were inefficient in the red zone. We, we had penalties that made us go, you know, drive the ball further than what we had to, that we had turnovers like the INTs that we threw in the end zone that result in a terribly inefficient offense. It's not that I, a lot of people are like, what's wrong with our offense? Uh, why, why can't we game plan better in the second half, et cetera, et cetera. We produced more yards in the second half than the first half. We just didn't score any points at all in the second half, mm-hmm. for goodness sakes. It's, we just don't get in the end zone. And that's what we have to fix. The offense isn't that far off. It's, mm-hmm. it's execution about scoring points in the end zone and and probably some big chunk plays along there too. Pretty sure didn't uh, one of us in our preseason show have that as our key stat for a successful season was uh, improved red zone scoring percentage? I won't name names, but... Uh... <laughs> 
I, yeah, I don't know. We don't have any archives for that. But it's almost as bad as our wins per podcast stat. You know, it's like <laughs> it's that's very similar stat. And if you include baseball, basketball, football, oh. our wins per podcast is probably one of the worst of any fan oh. of any fan podcast. Of any why do Why do any of you out there listen to us? Hey, shut up, Honky. <laughs> Bless your heart, Elaine McGuire. Hey, by the way, she told me she got us three new listeners this week. So, yeah, very uh, welcome, Kip and Hannah. Well. The, I <laughs> I mean, to put a close on that offense, I mean, there are a couple of historical things happening here. That 28 first downs, how many games dating back to I think the there's only like 11 or 13 other games that a team had a similar stat of having 28 first downs and 13 or less points uh, since 2000, which is like 30,000 games played or some insane number. Um, so it's just, it's so rare. Why are we always a part of these to produce this type of. Um, absurd stats. Yeah. yeah, and Boomer, where are we at nationally in, in yards per point right now? Uh, we're not good there, Honky. Uh, let's see. Right now we are 127th uh, in yards per point. And, out of uh, 130. 130 teams. We're still ahead of Bowling Green, UMass, and Stanford, who's only played you know the one ha! game so far. But we're nipping up the heels of Vanderbilt and Illinois, so there's there's room to room to improve. All right. Who we play in two weeks. So. Yep, so there we go. That should, that should be a real barn burner <laughs> if the stats are anything to go by. <laughs> Well, thank Good you. Lord, that's going to be an inefficient game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like 1,000 yards of offense total and about, you know, 17 to 18 points. So, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, you might take the under on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's start to talk about maybe the things that we can start to do to get more efficient on offense. And there's a number of things there. It's X's and O's. It can be personnel. And I guess one of the first personnel groups to talk about is the quarterback, right? Uh, Husker Power 92 asked it right away. He goes, I'm not convinced the offense looks any different with either QB. Can you discuss what you think each guy brings? And if you want to, make an argument for which guy should get the snaps. So, Mac, that Uh, starts the conversation. Sure. How does the offense look different with each of the guys? And who do you think should get the the snaps first? And and kind of make that argument. Well, uh, I would start off by saying that up until the beginning of the fourth quarter, I, I would say that's actually the first time we've actually seen Luke McCaffrey be the quarterback. Um, other times they've been packages or, or schemes to have him in there. I think that's the first time we've actually seen him play quarterback as with the intention of him running the offense. And it did look different to me. It looked, it looked far more vertical. The times I was counting and I didn't get a, I didn't get to watch every single play before the podcast started, but it looked like Luke held the ball for about two seconds before it was either out of his hand or he started running with the ball. You know, people keep talking to me about when are we going to get Wandell more involved? How are we going to get the wide receivers more involved? Well, it's not going to happen until we have a quarterback that's either going to get it to them or push the ball downfield. There was a screen pass set up for Wandell that Adrian simply couldn't hit. Adrian is not very good at screen passes. He hasn't been throughout his career. There's just different things about Luke's game and Adrian's game. And and I, I think about it like this. If the running game of the quarterback is a humongous component of this offense, which I think we'd all agree is, to me, that's a wash. Luke's very explosive. He's really fast. He's not quite as dynamic as far as his shiftiness, but he's subtle enough. You saw him make Patty Fisher miss, you know, and he he's tough to bring down. I brought it up before the season started about how good is he about taking contact and going, you know, going into hits and, and holding on to the ball. Well, he's proven to me that he can already do that. So to me, that's a wash. Now it's who's more comfortable throwing the ball. And in just a very small sample size, Luke looks better. And the, here's the problem is I've got a humongous sample size with Adrian. Yeah. And Adrian, 
I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happened to him. He does not look comfortable pushing the ball down the field. And I was I was talking to you guys before we even started airing. If Adrian isn't ready to throw by the time his back foot plants on his drop, I'm already getting nervous. Sure. And so, yes, I, I think there, there is a difference between the two quarterbacks. I think... This is just me. It needs to be Luke going forward until proven otherwise. If we're gonna, if Frost is being sincere about a quarterback competition, if Frost is being sincere about the best guy plays, you're gonna have a hard time convincing anybody in Husker Nation that it's it's not time to go ahead and shift to Luke and see what mm-hmm. happens. All I can tell you is I'm gonna treat that position just like any other, and it'd be a disservice to my football team to play a player at any position if if we had a player at that position that we thought gave us a better chance to win. What's interesting is it just if you just focus solely on the passing of the last game, they both threw for 12 completions. It took 16 throws for Luke to get there. It took 27 for Martinez. But it's more than just the passing. I think the passing oversimplifies it. Richard Fitzwell asked the question talking about the read option and were there times that uh, Martinez should have kept it. And Dave, I think this gets us into more of the decision-making, which plays a role in the passing, but it also plays a role in – when do you run it and not run it? You know, when do you slide two yards before a first down on a two-minute drill, keeping the clock going? Last year against Iowa, when you run out of bounds and do the only thing that even gives the Hawkeyes a chance at the ball again. And when you roll out to the right and throw it against your body deep, late, you know, over the field and you get the pick. Dave, from a decision-making standpoint, right now, which quarterback are you most comfortable with Saturday right from the start? Most comfortable? That's an interesting way to... To phrase it, I don't know if I'm that much more comfortable about Luke making all the right decisions. We may suffer through some some freshman mistakes out there. But to your point, Honky, uh, our sample size with Adrian has been growing. And mm-hmm. we've all been in his camp. We've supported. We've saw so much potential that freshman year. Uh, there's reasons to believe that he was banged up last year and that he could get healthy and get back to that form. And then here we are two games in and he is not progressing and so that sample size tells me that Adrian's a junior, but still making some freshman mistakes. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if I'm that much more confident that Luke won't make those freshman mistakes, but I also know that he might make some pretty exciting plays that gets this offense out of its funk and and starts scoring points. So that's why I think we'll see Luke out there um, for the first series on Saturday. The spark thing that Frost talked about. So there's a couple mistakes, but Luke's personality in general, he's a he's a spark plug. Um, he's he's just got energy that uh, exudes out of him, and I think people rally to that. Um, and that, that's kind of why we did it. We felt like we needed a spark, and uh, just his nature uh, provides that spark. Frost was asked, it might have been last year, and maybe it was even Verduzco, but they're like, what are you looking for as, in terms of a quarterback? Well, what's one of the major attributes you're looking for a quarterback? And they said a fast blinker, you mm-hmm. know, someone who makes decisions quickly. And that's what I felt like I saw with Luke. He dropped back there. He threw the out quick to, to Fleming or he threw the ball to, you know, to Xavier Betts and, yeah. and Xavier Betts making a play and turning around and getting the first down. Like I just felt like the ball was ready to get out of his hand quickly or he was ready to run mm-hmm. with it. That's what I want to see. That's what I feel like when I've watched the Frost offenses in the past. It <laughs> sounds dumb, but it was like it, there wasn't a lot of reading by the quarterback. It was no, no, no throw, you know, and was I saw Adrian progress, 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 progress. Now I'm not sure what to do. Either I'm going to run or I'm going to make a bad decision throwing. And he's a junior. Yeah, now, that, he, that if happened. He's a freshman. 
okay, but he's a junior. And I never saw Luke do that. Yeah. I never saw him do that. That happened on the bounce pass play in that two-minute drill to Wandell. Yeah. The guy that we keep wanting to get the yeah. ball to. The guy that we can't get going, yeah. right? He had all the time. He was in the pocket, and you can see his head move like four times. Yeah. And he identifies the, the guy to throw it to who's wide open, and he one bounces. And there was no it. pressure, right? No I pressure. Mean, for the, the offensive line, all even things. our offensive line that was, that was lacking the center, we shuffle over one of our guards who's never played center before in a game, who's mm-hmm. playing against – you know, maybe arguably one of the better defenses in the Big Ten now. Mm-hmm. He's moved to center, and we've given him time, and we one-hop it to yeah. our best wide receiver. I mean, these are the issues that, like, I get Husker Nation banging their head against the wall saying, what is the problem? Yeah. I don't want to put it all on one guy, but when you see another guy come in and you immediately start stretching the ball down the field, it raises the question. Here's the thing. I've never been pro-Adrian or anti-Adrian. I'm not pro-Luke. I'm not anti-Luke. I want the best guy to be the starting quarterback. I have felt very good along this entire time that there's been a fair process here. I do think oh, yeah. that uh, Frost gave these guys a shot over the offseason, and I think they truly were neck and neck. I think they were even coming into it. And we said it to come into this season that if all things are even, you're going to go with the guy that has the experience. Yep. And that's okay. And I think we said it three weeks ago before the Ohio State game even, this is Adrian's to lose. He can come out here and play so well that Luke will never have a chance at this spot this year. Or who knows how long it'll take, but you'll you'll know if you see it that it doesn't. it's not working. Well, I can tell you, Dave, I went into your backyard at halftime, called up Mac, and you know we're up by six. We're ahead. We're leading the game. And Mac and I on that conversation, then I know you and I had the exact same conversation when it came back in, and it was, it's it's time to make the switch. You Look, know what's funny because Jack had texted me, do we go? And it was funny. He goes, I, you know, I'm torn. He goes, you always seem very level headed about the quarterback conversation. Should we make the switch? I'm like, yes! Exclamation point! Exclamation <laughs> point! Exclamation point! And I, you know, I'm not that guy. I'm not anti Adrian. I'm not pro anybody. I'm yeah. pro. I'm pro Husker football. Right. It's as clear as day to me that he needs to be the one going forward. Yeah, it looked even more obvious when you did get him out there. And, and that's that's the thing. And Adrian's a, a great talent. We could bench him at quarterback, and he still could be playing this, the same type of role that we talked all offseason that Luke could play if he's not the starting quarterback. M- Martinez is a good talent. We like Adrian. He's a captain, right? So this it's a hard discussion, but there's a, we're going to have this discussion about other positions too, Dave. No, absolutely. You know, I think we should give Red Castrop a little bit of credit here. He hasn't been always on Adrian's side. And he, one of the I'll, specifically, I'll give Rob credit on saying that Adrian wasn't accurate enough, especially in, I think, short yardage. And that's proven out this game. He just, I don't know why, but he's not accurate enough to make the offense work. Right. And so that doesn't mean that that maybe if he sits on the bench for a game or two, takes this in. We've talked before that we thought we'd see Luke in, in this season as quarterback at some point because Adrian might get banged up. Well, if Luke's now our starting quarterback, he may get banged up, and we may need Adrian here in a couple of sure. games. So maybe taking a little bit in and, and a chance to see the game from the sideline can help him uh, develop as a player, and mm. and that's all we'd ever want for him. Well, I, I don't want to give Redcast Rob 
too any much credit. credit. I mean, yeah, honestly. Really. I mean, because look at the passes you threw to Xavier Betts. Those were <laughs> super high, right? I mean, it happens that, that Xavier Betts is 6'2", and he's got really long arms, and he made those catches. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, Redcast Rob, but I still haven't seen Omar Manny make a big difference, and you were telling me about all <laughs> how much he was going to be an all-conference right. player. He'll so. probably play for the Raiders, but <laughs> I, I think <laughs> – All he has to do is run a sub 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> I think – but the decision-making piece of Martinez here, it was a question that my cousin – uh, texted to me where he's like, he just didn't want to see us have to go through freshman pains again at a quarterback. But I think, Dave, you kind of illustrated it well, is that we're seeing a lot of those freshman pains. Unfortunately, we're seeing it out of a third-year guy. We're seeing mistakes that we're not expecting out of that. So at this point, I think the word that Frost has used, and I'm going to agree with it, is spark. This offense needs a spark. And maybe this goes to Husker Hype's next question, which is, does Luke provide more of an opportunity to run an up-tempo offense? Um, again, I'll, I'll start with you, Mac, on that. Up-tempo, you know, do you see it working more smoothly under under Luke in the minimal uh, snaps that we've seen? Or is this more just taking a guess and saying, yeah, it's going to work better? It's both. I mean, it, it is a guess because it's it's a small sample size. But as soon as he got in the game, I felt like it was foot on the gas in terms of, of getting the play called, getting the ball snapped, getting the ball out, and getting it vertical. And that, that that's exactly how it felt to me. And it was – I mean, I truly feel like – had McCaffrey started the third quarter instead of the fourth, I think we walk away with that game. Not walk away, but I do I do think we win that game. I just felt like the offense felt different with him in there. And one of those reasons was he wasn't waiting for anything to happen. He was making things happen. He was getting the ball downfield. We talked about at the beginning of the year, like how much we want to see the tight ends involved, and we feel like that was going to take us to the next level. Well, geez, man, it's kind of all been tight ends right now. And, and, and it's like, okay, <laughs> well, yeah, that was cool, but I was thinking we'd throw to the wide receivers as well. You know, but when you throw a fade route to a tight end, a big, tall, six, 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 seven tight end, but you don't leave it catchable, well, you're not going to get the catch, and there's no chance of getting a pass interference call. So what good does that play do? That's what I've been seeing with Adrian, and it, this isn't a bash Adrian show, but this is the junior quarterback still making those plays, still making those decisions, and it's still causing us not to score points in the red zone. That's a problem. So yes, I think Luke being that fast blinker, being that, I think he is quick at the decision making. I think he's ready to. I think he's ready to accelerate this offense. And I, for one, am excited to finally see tempo in this offense I, we've heard about it since scott frost has gotten here and i've never really seen us run tempo with any success every time we go tempo i'm worried about us jumping off sides or yeah. holding if luke can get out there and get these guys to snap the ball while they're set and push the ball downfield i'm i'm thrilled about it yeah some some of the tempo is the quarterback some of it is our our decision to do that or not you know i, I was impl- impressed and pleased with how our defense has progressed these first two games and you know, part of the reason we haven't gone light speed around here is um, we didn't want to leave the defense on the field that long. Uh, I'm really impressed and happy with uh, how they're coming along. Uh, that, that'll that free us up to potentially get a little more aggressive with tempo and offense. Great question, Husker Hype. I guess, you know, to kind of end this QB discussion here, and I think we're all kind of in agreement. It, it feels like it's time to see that change at the beginning with the starter. But uh, you know, we, had, we had questions from Tristan Pittner on it, from Shuck U., uh, you know, Jack Erky asked a, a couple more questions and, and really to, to get out of the QB talk here, how much more difficult would it be on Scott Frost 
to bench Martinez because he is a captain. And, and Boomer, that is something to think about. I can't remember the last time a necessarily a captain's been benched, at least in season. Yeah, it probably does add a wrinkle to it because you you know you normally don't think your captain is you know sitting on the bench, you know going out for maybe the coin toss and going sitting on the sideline holding the clipboard too often unless he's hurt or something like that. Kind of brings up that scenario that you put out there, Hunky. You find other ways to get him on the field. You kind of flip roles. You make McCaffrey kind of that starting QB, but you get Adrian out mm-hmm. there to to get touches in another way. So you still got that captain out there. He's still kind of kind of being a team leader in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, that does add a big big wrinkle to to everything, and certainly has to weigh into the decision process. How does that affect mm-hmm. the team? How are the players going to respond to something like that? Yeah, we kind of heard from Mills and in, in the in the presser that. You know, he felt there was kind of a better tempo with, with McCaffrey in there. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into this. I would point out, though, that Frost mentioned when the captains, captains were voted on, it didn't sound like McCaffrey went without any votes either. Sure. It sounded like it was a pretty close race between, yep. as far as the quarterback position, Adrian and Luke. So, mm-hmm. w- w- yes, it sounds kind of, you know, like it could be a sticky situation. But at the same time, Luke does not – go on this team without any support. I feel like there's a lot of players, you know, you, like you said, Boomer, Mills didn't even mention it. Luke's got plenty of support in this team. And, and listen, to Adrian Martinez's credit, I've heard him say numerous times, you like, when I was recruited here, I was never told I was going to be the starter. It's the best player plays. And Adrian's had every opportunity to win that job and walk away with that job. And if he hasn't done it, I think Adrian would be the first to tell you I haven't done enough to separate myself from the backup to secure this spot. So mm-hmm. if we're to believe everything that we're being told and if Adrian's true to his word, which I have no reason to think he isn't, then there shouldn't be a problem on the team if if mm-hmm. he gets sat and Luke starts and then we start winning. And then, yes, Honk, you're right. Let's find a role for Adrian because I don't want to just set this guy on the shelf and let him get dusty. Let's find a role for yeah. him because there's plenty of roles for him. He's He's a talented guy. I'm not a fan of a two-quarterback system, period. It can work in small sample sizes. I think everyone, every Husker fan can go back to the 95 Orange Bowl, and and we don't win the game if we don't have Beringer and uh, Frazier play. But Mostly Lawrence Phillips, but, but yeah. Well, but what gets lost after that is Osborne, it didn't take him very long going into the 95 spring to say, well, that's not what we're going to do moving forward. I mean, we've got two senior quarterbacks that could each win a national title for us next year, and we're still not going to do a two-quarterback system. We're going to have a competition, and someone's going to win this and someone's going to lose it because that's what has to happen. You know, at halftime, when we talked about you know, making the, the change then, I, that sounds harsh, but Nick Saban didn't have an issue doing the exact same thing at halftime with Jalen Hurts of a national title game. And that was a guy that got him to the game. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he benches him, right? It's not unheard of at this point. No one's being mean here, right? We're trying to get the best offense out there. We're trying and to win right some games. Now, we're trying to win games, and that's what it takes. Tyrone Jenkins asked a question, Dave. He goes, did you have any positive takeaways from the offense? And I know the answer to this already is yes, because we've chatted about it and we've, we, we have all kinds of stats, but we've gotten to the point where we don't feel like there's been positive takeaways, you know, because we're talking so much about benching and that's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. I mean, I've heard, I mean, I listened to so many shows today and like, you know, it sounded like the offense like barely moved the ball. Like, honestly, I don't know how I, we have 440 years of offense. Our starting quarterback goes 12 of 27. I mean, that that's a mind boggler there, right? <laughs> I mean, like, how do you produce 40 years of offense when your quarterback has that struggle of uh, throwing the ball, right? Well, I mean, it helps when Luke comes in and goes 12 of 16 uh, in the fourth quarter and probably throws for, I don't know, 150 yards or something like that. I mean, like, uh, they, they produced a lot of yards on those two drives. They got to finish the drives. That's the yep. problem, right? But, I mean, 
if you don't see that as a positive, I don't know what you're looking at, right? I mean, to mm-hmm. see Marcus Flemings go have five catches for 75 yards, we want those young guys to get out there. And when they're out there, we want them to see an impact, right? Well, that's that's an impact player right there. That's catching the ball. You know, I think those are those are positives, you know? I mean, I think if we can start to have those receivers start to extend the field a little bit to Max Point, I think Mills' running lanes get a little bit bigger. I think maybe Wandell... Uh, you know, is open over the middle, all those type of things. The offense would click if we can extend the field a little bit more. So I think there's a lot of positives there. We just got to see it start turning into points. Yeah. Well, you brought up wide receivers, and that leads us to a couple questions from Nathan Lamberg and from Vegas Jair, who, uh, you know, sends us his picks every week on the Go Big Betcast and listen to them every uh, Thursday, Redcasters. But their questions were about the wide receiving core and why are we being so timid to take shots? Why do we refuse to take deep shots? The room seems flooded with three and four star talent, yet the only targets are tight ends and walk on receivers. Uh, is it that they don't trust them? I mean, these, I, there's more questions <laughs> that I could go into, but. The basic gist, Dave, like, what's up with the wide receiver core right now? What is it that we need to do to get them more involved? I think that if you look at the game film enough, it feels like, and Mac, you pointed this out a couple times on the show here, that Adrian is surveying the field, looking for the open guy, and he's just not seen it. And at some point, you have to say, like, are these receivers simply not ever going to get open, or maybe it's Adrian not reading the defense quite well enough? And so we're going to find out. Maybe Luke is in there next week and he's having the same problem. That's going to be a concern. But if Luke can push the ball down the field a little bit more, maybe we have an answer on what's going on, right? I mean, it, it, look, I couldn't see the field well enough to make good decisions. But, I mean, that's what you're going to need out of your starting quarterback. And I thought it was really interesting, Mac, when you, you talked about this earlier. And since you look at Frost's offense at UCF and Oregon, it's so quick. It never felt like they were ever really checking down that often. They were just like... Two seconds, balls out. We haven't seen that in this offense. It doesn't look like the Frost offense that we thought we were getting. And that's what I'm excited about a new quarterback is just to see if it starts to look like what we thought it could look like. Yeah, because the, even the, the times that we saw Marcus Fleming catch the ball, there wasn't that, that many times he, there was anybody that close to him. He was kind of running free when he caught those balls. And I do feel like there are shots to be taken downfield. It's just a matter of, and it's and it's not protection either, guys. We, we mm-hmm. have the protection. It's going to be a matter of launching it down there and seeing what can happen. But you have to throw a catchable ball, and you have to lead them into a place that they can make it happen. I love our tight ends. They are not my first choice for a deep threat. You know, even the tight end fade in the corner, yeah. no problem with that. Stop trying to throw it deep down the seam to Volkolek. It's just not a good play. If Fleming's a speedster. Omar's a mismatch. Xavier Betts is tall and rangy. And Elante Brown. We haven't even talked about Elante Brown, who had a pretty good first game. Looking at the film, honestly, there's no doubt with those guys on the field that they help us stretch the field more. We just got to keep bringing those guys along. And for all of them, it's a matter of getting practices under their belt. I mentioned this, but they've all, for different reasons, missed part of our preparation up to this point. Now they're all up and going, so we're going to fast track and uh, see how fast they can pick everything up and, again, evaluate the practice and play the guys that we think give us the best chance. But um, all those guys are, are coming along, and and we're anxious to have them know the, the whole system so we can get them out there. There's no lack of talent about stretching the field. It's It's either a lack of vision of seeing them down the field or a lack of willingness to throw it down there. And I feel like that is 
pretty much saddled with Adrian. I don't feel that's the same way with Mills. And as soon as we do that, as soon as we can complete one of those, it opens everything up, like you said, Dave, opens up those running lanes from Mills. It opens up the running game for the quarterback as well. Until this offense does that and pushes it downfield and completes a few of them, then then we're like three quarters of what we should be. Well, you know, because it's November, it feels like we're 10 games in the season, but we've only played two. And the idea that, you know, we haven't got some of these young receivers on the field yet. Well, we, we actually have now, and it's only been in game two yeah, that we started really doing. it's not that bad to it, say that Xavier's the, got his first two catches in the second, second game. game. But that's the challenge That's the challenge with conventional thinking in a year like this. In a conventional year, we would have played South Dakota State. We would have played Central Michigan. You have some of those games to work things out. I think of Iowa. Iowa played two games and loses to Northwestern in the second game, throwing the ball 50 times with 20-plus rushes. And that was that was their game plan, right? And Ference has been there for twenty plus years, very established system. But he's playing new quarterback, he's playing new players, and it took him a couple of games to get some things figured out. And by game three, they completely flipped that. They were forty two rushes to twenty nine passes against Michigan State. You know, you could tell that they had a a switch in philosophy, mentality, whatever you want to call it. They figured some things out because they played extra games. And Frost said that a week ago. We need to play games. Play and, games. And I would say the worst thing that could possibly happen to us, even more than a loss to Penn State, I don't want and I don't want to lose to Penn State, right? But even worse than losing to them would be not playing them this weekend. And that scares me every week right now in the year of COVID. We need to play games because we need to keep getting out there and just keep getting these guys reps, these young guys. Yeah. And the win, it's gonna come here. Even with Micah Parsons. Even just, with Mike and Parsons. Just play it. Even with him out there, man. Why not? Well, so we got a couple questions here that start to talk about adjustments. And, um, well, we'll pick the guy that nobody likes, Redcast Rob. He said, why can't Scott Frost make second-half adjustments that will allow him to keep a lead? Dave, I'll throw Rob's question to you there. I mean, is this a, a major issue that you're seeing too? Is it, Or is this something that, you know, again, we just we got to be patient with? Uh, well, Rob, uh, I gave you credit for your call on, on Adrian's issues, but uh, this one, you're just being an idiot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from uh, because we do struggle uh, scoring points in the second half. Uh, uh, Boomer, I think you found the stat of like maybe it was a third quarter in particular where you see our, our point differential and it's not good. So, And there's definitely been examples where we have – seemed to have struggled a bit in the second half, but I didn't see that it particularly in this game in the sense that our offense was still producing yardage and moving the ball. Defensively, we looked good. I didn't think that our game plan changed that much, and I don't think Northwestern's game plan changed that much. They were just able to execute on two drives in the second half, which produced 14 points, and when we had chances to execute and score points, we faltered. We threw two INTs in the end zone. We ended the game by, you know, turning the ball over on downs deep into their territory. We missed a field goal. There's too many opportunities to score there that if you simply execute a few extra plays, you win the game. So I really don't think it was a strategy issue, at least in this game. It was just an execution issue. Yeah, I, I sometimes think too much gets made of in-game adjustments or or game day adjustments. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's execution of the plays being called. And now you could you could fault Frost for maybe why aren't we executing better on game day? Okay, I'll give you that. But in terms of what's the play being called, like 
I, I mentioned this before, but the screen pass to Wandell on the third and I think it was third and four or whatever. That should have been open for a humongous gainer. And I can't tell you how many times a screen pass has been set up and we simply don't throw the, we do, I don't know exactly why Adrian struggles with the screen pass, but he really does. He yeah. either doesn't get it out in time or he lobs it or it gets blocked. And I feel like Luke has got a knack for throwing a screen pass. And as soon as we can get our screen game going, I don't know how much that's going to – I'm not talking about the bubble screen either, by the way, mm. ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about a straight-up screen. If we can get that going, it, everything looks better when you execute it, right? I mean, sure. And so it's not it's not a matter of did you adjust properly or not. Because it's, like, it's not like Northwestern blew us up in the second half offensively. Yeah. The thing that we need, and Frost talked about today, is we need a big play. We need to make some more big plays, some more explosive plays. Uh, too many of our explosive plays have come from quarterback runs, and uh, we need to crease some runs with the running backs. We need to create some plays downfield. Um, it's hard to sustain and, and make 12-play drives go because one thing can go wrong or the defense can make a play. Uh, so we got to create some more big plays. Uh, we got the guys in the program now that I think are capable of doing that, and uh, we just need some good things to happen uh, to get that momentum and, and get rolling. And see, the thing is, we go down the field, play after play after play, 10 play drives. We're getting first downs after first downs, but eventually things stall out. And we need a big play, whether that's in the run game, whether it's in the pass game, you know, whatever it is, that's something that is, has just been flat out missing. And that can be an execution thing, or we're not taking the, trying to take the top off to the point of some of the questions so far. But I think if we can Figure that out. We've got some playmakers on this team, but man, we got to just find ways to to get them making making those big plays. Well, thank you for that question. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple of them together. One's from CJ Tebow, and another one's from Hold Fast. Guys, there are some new names I've never seen asking us questions before, so this is really kind of cool, Redcasters. I appreciate all the ones that have come in. Um, CJ says, "There's so much talent on the field. Why isn't every single ounce of it being used?" I'm just a couch coach, but it's driving me crazy watching these guys beat themselves. Hold fast uh, says, what has improved in the last three years? Is it in-game coaching and management, play calling, based on the statements made after the game by players? Has the culture improved? Boomer, what has gotten better and has that improved You know, in the last three years? Well, we've touched on this uh, for several of the shows already. Uh, he, there have definitely been some improvements in terms of just general culture and attitude. I in its evidence, just um, when we talk about, say, just the, the physical makeup of these players, you mentioned it before how we have linemen now that look like they're Big Ten linemen. You know, prior to that, we didn't have that for whatever reasons. I don't think weightlifting and, you know, the workouts and that kind of conditioning was emphasized under under Riley's regime. It just didn't seem to be. And that seems to have been turned around. We've gotten these players kind of more instilled in that attitude. And, and that shows they're not getting blown off the line, you know, nearly like they were several years ago. And they can play with some of the, the best lines out there. I mean, we saw our defensive line held up really well against Ohio State, you know, for most of that game, for example. And our O-line hasn't necessarily been a, a the problem this year. It's had issues, especially, you know, when Jurgens gets hurt, you know, but that, losing your center is going to hurt any line, no matter who they are. So I, there are definite steps that show there have been some cultural improvements. Uh, you know, things still have to be cleaned up, and you hope, you know, that's going to be part of that culture thing, the discipline, the eliminating penalties, the, we're, you know, we always joke about the targeting ones. You know, just learning to keep your feet and not, you know, launching yourselves headlong into everybody, you know, getting yourself thrown out of games. Those sorts of things have to be cleaned up. Sure. Great question, CJ, and hold fast. You know, Boomer, you mentioned linemen look like Big Ten linemen now. 
And that kind of leads to some questions we got from Zach Sempek. And, and again, Jack Erke sent us one on this too. You know, Jack said last game reminded me of the 2019 Purdue one, except with a better defense. And he was referencing how we got into the red zone and we just didn't get physical sometimes, didn't really just pound it in when we got down there. And Zach Sempek asked the same thing. Why on the goal line before McCaffrey's INT did we run the same formation with the same three motions? Why don't we just go I formation and run it with Mills? Were we missing Jurgens that much? I mean, Mac, we have linemen, to Boomer's point, that look like Big Ten linemen. You know, what do we need to do when we get down into those really close points, the first and goals from the two and mm. three? That's a great question because who are we inside the five? Who are we inside the ten? I feel like that's a coaching decision. That's an identity decision we need to make. And, and I, Honk, you and I have talked about this, but certainly with inside the five-yard line, I feel like we need to be an under-center team. And I feel like we need to let our big – Big Ten linemen pave a way for – you know Mills would go in there and mash. you know, And we've got a quarterback that can run some – it doesn't even take the option game out of it. How much do we miss Juergens in that time? I don't know because that, that's, a, that's a fair question. If you're talking about a guy who was recently a guard and before that a tackle, I don't know how much you feel comfortable with the quarterback center exchange under center because there, there is a nuance to that, right? Sure. But let's take that out of it. We've got to stop trying to be cute inside the five. We've got to stop trying to be out scheme people inside the five. If we're bigger and we're stronger, I don't care. Take four swings at it. Get it in there. I'd rather have that than have a ball go off the helmet of our own lineman and get picked off than the other. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. go ahead and stop us four plays in a row. But if you, if we bounce it off our own lineman trying to get cute on a slipping a tight end behind the defense, I know I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen Tim Tebow do the jump passes. I know that exists in college football. But until we're better at the first thing, let's not even bother. Let's get good at the first thing and then get cute. And and I feel like if people have a beef with Frost and the way he calls offense in those those situations, that's fair. That's fair. That's a fair that's a fair situation. I'm not giving him a pass for this game because of, of Jurgens being gone. I might understand a little bit, but I, I would rather us make them stop us physically than what we did. So no, yeah. that's that's a good point. Well, you know, we, we didn't get a, a specific question just on the O-line in general. But Dave, your takeaway from the first two games so far this year, how did the O-line look to you so far? And how would you compare it to maybe the previous two O-lines that Frost has had? Are we seeing progress? I think we're seeing progress. I mean, I definitely when you look at the Ohio State game in particular, it looked like they were really ready to, to match up physically. I, I, I would say that they matched up physically versus Northwestern, who has a very good D-line. That was probably the best part of their team. But the shuffling of players there did affect a little bit, I think, of our performance. Uh, there's been too many drives where we start first and 15 uh, because we jump off sides. Uh, they were shifting up front. That cost us a couple. Our guys got jumpy and moved when they uh, yelled shift and, and moved. That's a focus thing, and that's a discipline thing. And as an entire football program, we got to get that fixed. You know, I don't know how much time they had to, to bring Farniak over and, and you know, they've been better served to um, bring someone else up in that center position. I don't know. We're going to find out on Saturday if Jurgens is back or not. But it does seem like we're better with Jurgens in there. I mean, he... He's just uh, brings a different attitude there, I think, which just helps that O-line mm -hmm. gel. Yeah, I, I said it last week. That I was really looking forward to seeing him uh, get five yards on the field and have him go up against Patty Fisher yeah, on some blocks. Yeah, like totally. I, I highlighted that was a matchup I wanted to see. So it was a shocker to kind of wake up on Saturday morning and, oh, he's not even 
there. And it's funny you know? how you heard it too, right? It's like Jurgens isn't warming up with the offensive line. You hear that from McEwen or from you know, it's like, oh crap. <laughs> you know, like Ronald Tompkins is nowhere to be seen. Like, There's oh crap. You know, like I, I get why Frost does that, but as a fan, <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't prepared mentally to have somebody else be our center or our back. And and then it's like you jump. Okay, no Ronald Tompkins, but you jump him to Ramir Johnson and then all the way to Marvin Scott the third. I'm like, wow. You know, like I understand the, the media blackout in terms, but like I just I think as a podcast, it'd be nice <laughs> to get a heads up. Yeah, he's not doing us any favors with this, you know. It's just yeah, I mean, just, just 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 a note. Yeah, we yeah. Make us sound a little so better. We'll tell the company line, but just give us a give us an opportunity to, to frame our thoughts. So I think in general here, we're going to kind of close up the offensive portion of this, and we're going to get to some defensive Holy questions. Holy cow. But, yeah. We play defense, too? But I see the improvement, and I see stats that don't make sense. There was the one stat that BTN showed during the game where Adrian has the third most yards of anybody in college football who's played at least 20 games in the Power Five. Yeah. He's, he's only behind Sam Ellinger, who has 293 yards a game, the quarterback at Texas. Brock Purdy, uh, the Iowa State quarterback, is 284 yards, and Adrian's at 273 yards, seven yards ahead of Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Okay, Who? you know, <laughs> so, I mean, these are stats where it's like you can't look at everything as being negative. It's not all bad. It's not that nothing's happening. We ran for 200-plus yards against a Northwestern team that held both Maryland and Iowa under 100 each on the ground. It's about finishing, and eventually finishing leads to winning. Sooner or later, the scoreboard is going to show it. There's no doubt in my mind how much progress we've made. We just need to turn it into to wins. And uh, that, that game Saturday was as frustrating a one as I've had here because uh, we, we had opportunities to, to be in control of that game. Uh, we could have won the game, maybe even should have won the game. You know, that wasn't like playing some other games where I felt we were just outmatched talent-wise. We weren't in that game. And the guys are impatient, just like I'm impatient, to, to get this changed and um, I keep saying it, but once it turns, it's going to turn in a big way, and uh, we need to ha- have that happen uh, soon. And I think that's the thing. I have two goals for the rest of this season, and one of them is we need to determine who those starters and who those main players are going to be on the 2021 team. And the second I say that, I can already see and hear you know redcasters out there listening to that, and they roll their eyes and they go, oh, he's given up on the season. He's given up on the season because he's already saying you're playing for next year. No, I'm saying we need to play games right now. We need games every weekend because we need to continue to identify the amount of youth. That 2019 class, and now we're seeing 2020 guys getting out there too. It is so crucial these guys get games because the second goal I have is they need to learn how to win now. We need wins this year. The loud noises show that we did and everything. We need wins this year because Mm -hmm. as I look forward to 2021, I'm not throwing away the season, but this is a weird season. It's always going to be an asterisk season. To get the most out of this season, we need to know who those guys are going to be that are going to be the ones, you know, playing in Norman next year to kick off the season and hopefully going to, you know, Ireland right away and all that. Who are those guys, those players going to be? And they need to have a winning attitude that starts now, starts this weekend. So offensively, I'm not despondent about things. I mean, there's so much positive. I love that word. There's so much positive out there. It's just, how do you finish? Dave, you're (laughs) sorry. Sorry for setting you up like that, but you know, your final statement on the offense before we move over to a defensive question here. Yeah. uh, Yards per point needs to get better. (laughs) (laughs) He's not the best color man in in podcast for nothing. (laughs) Right, right, right. I mean, like 
we're, we're seven times, you know, worse than what we should be. I mean, anything would be a significant improvement over what we just did versus Northwestern. And I think if we can do that, we can start winning games. And so it's going to happen. I just don't know when. For me, I think I'd just quote the damn Yankees when I'd say, we don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it's like, we got to score points. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's that's all that needs to happen. I mean, we we just got to get the ball in the end zone. Winning attitude, that, that's great. But until we put points on the board, we're, we're not going to win many games. And I, you're right. Youth, P.J. Fleck, however you want to phrase it, we got to get points on the board. And as soon as we do, I mean, as soon as we do, that's it. The man. wins will come. The wins will come. Boomer, are if we... you build it, the wins will come. <laughs> Boomer, you're our legal analyst. Uh, are we going to get sued for him singing "Damn Yankees" there? Or... Yesterday is just a memory. <laughs> Try to stop me, damn Yankees. Ted Nugent's a proud American. He ain't gonna. He ain't gonna say nothing. No, he's probably a fan of the podcast anyway. So, uh, but we'll get to work on that. I'll, my people will talk to their people. We'll see what we can get work. If in, I so. if I don't hit the high E over C, I think I'm fine. I think that's their trademark. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is time to move on to defense. And actually, it's crazy because we had so much success, you know, with turnovers and we made big stops and we had young guys, so many young guys out there playing. Youth. Youth. Yeah. And yet we don't have a lot of defensive questions. In fact, we really only had one that I'm going to bring out here and it's about the front seven. It's from Husker Nut. And that was the same thing that happened in Coach Frost uh, press conference today. There were, you know, all the focus was for obvious reasons on the offense and specifically on the quarterback. Right. Well, you know, Husker Nut asked about the front seven, and he said that we've played so many young guys, uh, you know, Ty Robinson, Rogers, uh, Heinrich now, uh, Nelson's a second-year guy, and then he highlighted the play of Rymers. So, Dave, that front seven, what did you see out of that, and where do you see that part of the defense going, I guess, as we move forward in the, in the season? A lot of positives there. Uh, just in these first two games, you can look at, the recruitment and development of guys like Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers, and then finding a gym like Luke Reimers as, as not a scholarship player initially, um, a Juco guy like Fabulous Payne already contributing early in his career now. And you gotta like where it's going and it could get good real quick, I think, potentially here over the next, uh, six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, mean, that I'm, I'm really excited to see what they look like this week versus Penn State. Mac. As you kind of look at that front seven, and you start to look at the the actual personnel, in spot by spot, position by position, what are some of the the highlights that come to you? And like, who do you want to see playing where, and who's starting, and all that? Who's getting the snaps? Okay, well, to begin with, to give credit where credit's due, the play of Casey Rogers and Ty Robinson has been encouraging, and it has been from game to game, right? Because that's kind of the more important thing, right? It's like we saw it against Ohio State, but we also saw it against North Robinson Western. was amazing. So now I know that it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a scheme. This is this is how they play. But then you switch it to, let's just go to outside linebacker, right? How good did Nick Henrik play? And how important is it for him to get more snaps? The kid is obviously heady. He's He's got a nose for the football. We talked about it before we got on the show it's just a matter of time before he makes a play where he tips the ball and somebody picks it up. Yep. Or he's, you know, like, like Reimer coming in there with the strip sack. I mean, the way he wow. came around the corner on the strip sack, 
He was shot out of a cannon, which we haven't seen in a while. He gets around the edge, and to have the awareness as a sophomore to not just secure the sack, but to bring his arm around and strip it. It was a miracle that Northwestern landed on the ball. Good for them. Mm-hmm. But like that's the kind of play we haven't seen in a long time. And those are just to highlight a few. I mean, you talked about Kaylee Tanner. Like, what would you like to see? Like, what would you like to see in terms of personnel and packages, situational football that we do with those guys? I mean, we're at a point now where we're starting to see a few trends. We're doing pretty well on first down defense. We're Mm. doing pretty good in second down defense. We're getting teams in the third and longs. And even Northwestern, the only reason they have 21 points, you got to give credit to where credit is due. They completed some big passes and made some big plays that kept some of their drives going on third and distance. And a lot of them contested too. One of the things I'd like to see is more pressure. And you can't always produce pressure by blitz and linebackers and all that. I'd like to see Caleb Tanner to me, actually, when he's in a stand-up outside linebacker role, he almost looks like Alex Davis to me out there. He just kind of looks a little lost, not comfortable out there kind of in the zone, so to speak. But where I've seen the best out of him, it's only it's been in limited snaps, but he got a sack on Justin Fields doing this, is a three-point stance, hand-in-the-ground, rush end. Now, I wouldn't make him my starter. In fact, I, he wouldn't be one of my first 11 out there. But if, I'll give you a scenario. If it's first and 10 and a team runs the ball up the gut on us and they get two yards, now it's second and eight. They go and they throw an incompletion. It's third and eight. I'm taking Ben Stilley off the field and I'm putting Caleb Tanner in, in there as a rush end. Think Dwayne Harris. Think Dante Jones. Think, think you know that, that kind of era, that type of player. He's going to be undersized, but he's going to give you a, a straight rush right from that guy. When I look at the, the rest of that front seven, the linebackers, Nick Heinrich, I think that's the guy. I don't know if I take him off the field right now. I love the 6'4 yeah. long body he has. Yeah. I think he has set the edge outstanding. Just like Max said, he is, he is inches away from making some plays, a big sack, a knock of the ball, an interception. and He's playing smart. He too. needs to keep doing it. And yep. Nelson plays smart. And I, Nelson I like, does play smart. I like Doman in there too, but Nelson plays really smart. And I mean, I like those guys that as my outside linebackers. If Doman was a sophomore or a freshman, then I mentioned it more. The fact is, if we're looking towards the future and youth and young play, <laughs> you know, then I, yeah. And, and in that third and long, I, maybe I might take Nelson off and, and replace him with a dome in, in that situation. Again, situational football, trying to get the best rusher out there. But what Reimer did in this first game, that leading the team in the sacks, and the heat-seeking missile that he was at inside linebacker, think about what he just did. Mm-hmm. We took a defense that was already young against Ohio State, and we just made it younger. We took an inside linebacker position that is two seniors, Colin Miller, and Will Honus, and Honus is my my preseason dark horse to to be a you know an All Big Ten player, right? Well, he had a good first game against Ohio State. He had two sacks. Didn't play last week, and I don't know exactly what the issue was. Uh, it was some kind of injury type of thing. But point is, Reimer this week shouldn't now fall into the background, and it goes oh, back to those guys. Reimer has a spot, yeah. and it's going to be up to, to Miller and Honus to figure out who who plays that other inline other inside linebacker spot. And when you think about that, if Miller was benched, let's just say he was. If, and not that he's played bad or deserves to be benched necessarily, but there's a better player now that's a mm. sophomore that's playing the same spot. And if Miller was benched, that's a captain on defense. So all the talk we had about Adrian, it's not that it's fun or fair or, or, or easy to talk about, but it happens at other spots too. And that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, going back to the, the, the just the front three, to give Tilioti some credit, you know, you've seen Stilly. You've seen Robinson. Yeah. You've seen Rogers. Now you've seen Keem Green. You've seen Jordan Riley, Riley out, there, out there. And yeah. you've seen Damian Daniels all contributing and yep. all playing. And that, that's going to bear fruit as the season wears on. 
I feel like our coaches are doing a good a good job of that. The outside linebacker positions are coming along. I feel like with what Dawson can do with a guy like Hendrick, a real heady player who's a real just you can tell he's got a high football IQ. There was a couple plays they did that rollout that play with Ramsey early in the game, mm-hmm. and it went for a big gain in the first part. Later on, you see they're going to get ready to do the same thing. He taps his uh, Hendrick taps his inside thigh, mm-hmm. and he goes out. And he splits off, and he takes the he takes the wide receiver, and then you see Hendrick come up like a shot and, and take care of the quarterback. And that was the only the, the first drive was the only time that play killed us. After that, adjustments were made. Sure. And like I understand everybody's frustration with the offense. I understand everybody's frustration with losing this game. But you can't watch that defensive performance and go away going, we just don't know, we just don't have what it takes. That's not true. Well, and the opposite of what you know, Redcast Rob was asking about second half adjustments and us adjusting in games. You can make the argument with Shins, with Shenander, that, you know, we made the, some of those adjustments. That first touchdown run they had on us was on a counter in the backfield, which we don't see a lot of that against us. And it was a good counter, and the guy went right through a tight gap, and he shot out of it, went, you know, 40 yards and scored against us. But later in that same half, on a fourth or, or third and short, they tried to do the same thing, and that's the play that JoJo Doman is in the backfield, you know, making a tackle for a three- or four-yard loss. So there's adjustments being made on the defense and everything there. I want to move back to the secondary, and this will be where we even further get a little younger. We had two senior safeties, and because of a targeting penalty, one of them wasn't playing right away, and we get Miles Farmer out there. Dave, the play you saw of Miles Farmer, you know, it's it's highlighted by two interceptions and one return that almost went for a touchdown. When you see the play of him, how does that change what that safety room looks like moving forward here for these last six games. Yeah, I think you have to get him out there. Um, not that Dante wouldn't be out there as well. Maybe there's a more of a rotation there. But he seems instinctive, like he has a nose for the ball and is in the right place at the right time. So I think that's the type of player you want out on the field. So I think Miles has got to be out there. Uh, and maybe it's it's some sort of rotation, but um, we'll see a lot more of him. Yeah, I, you know Dante's an interesting guy to me because situationally speaking – he is so aggressive. I could almost move him up to an outside linebacker Honestly, in, in like, thir- like third down situations, rushing situations, because when he's in the back four on a crossing route on a third and 12, he is so close to taking guys' yeah. heads off, which is almost almost a, always a penalty. In fact, that was another thing that Farmer did. I was going to say. Farmer, yeah. it was a still completion because it's third down. Like that, that happens zero, against us. Number zero. But they got a first down on us in the first half. And it was across the middle, and he nailed a dude. He hit him hard. The guy held onto it, got the first down, but he hit him the right way. He stayed it, in the game. There was no a little forearm clue shiver. of it being a targeting, right? Yeah. And again, we're at a point now where defensively we can start getting situational with things, where we can say maybe it would be good to get a guy like Dante Williams and his aggressiveness, move him up in this situation, not on play he's one, strong but enough. on third he's, and long. Yeah, he's Move Caleb enough. Tanner, instead of having him play zone D as, as an outside linebacker, get him the hand on the turf. Again, in third and sevens. What are we talking about? We're talking about the situations that we're not good in right now because hmm. we're getting these teams in those situations. Almost, how do you? Yeah. We can't wait a year. There's no waiver wire to pull a guy over, so you have to take what's on your team right now. And how do you get faster at certain times on defense, specifically third and longs? And these are ways that we can do it. And it's not about benching people. It's just about getting guys situated well, in the right spots. And Deontay has proven to be kind of a, a playmaker, whether it yeah. be whether it be causing fumbles, whether it's interceptions. You know, however he does it, that's a guy you want on the field. 
Miles in very a very small sample size also has proven that way. But you that you bring up such a great point, Mike, for a freshman to understand his role to come have a guy come across the middle, blow him up, but in a legal way to you know whatever he the the ball was completed. Credit to Northwestern, but punishment was dealt, and that's important. You have to deal punishment. Peyton Ramsey got blown up a few times with zero flags. I'm okay with that. Progress, you know, you progress. make a team feel it. You know, like that's the that's the thing with that that used to be the Huskers mantra, right? Like you may beat us, but you're gonna feel it the next week. And I guarantee you Ohio State felt us the next week. And I guarantee you Northwestern felt us well, we'll feel us going this coming week. Yeah, so no, that's true. You know, I, I want that to be how we go forward. And there's a smart way to do it. And I, like for a freshman to realize that and for a freshman to do that. Like another example, Quentin Newsom. I never heard his number called, which is probably a good thing for a corner, right? Like, is there a way to get keep him in the game and maybe move Cam Taylor Britt into a different role? You know, can we get some of those – can we get some of those guys? Because Cam Taylor Britt's also a playmaker, right? Sure. Let's keep our playmakers on the field as much as possible, and see what we can do going forward. And it's the defense is the defense has been really exciting this year so far. Well, Mac, I think just generally speaking, what's coming out of all this is that there's progress being made on the defensive side here too. I mean, it's clear as day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to make Northwestern's offense into something more than it was either. It wasn't a big high explosive offense. But we didn't give them any of that. Well, either. I know I know Peyton Ramsey's had better games against us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it was about highlighting the amount of youth that was out there. I'm, I'm PJ flucking it up. I understand that. But there is so many times that it is first and second year players out there now, and they're the ones making plays. And that part is exciting. That is truly where you can start to see what this team is gonna look like in a year, in two, and three years. Is this what the Shenander defense is going to look like? That's been the question asked so much. Well, if the Shenander defense looks like what we just saw there and it gets better from there, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I'm not asking Husker Nation to necessarily be patient. I, I get I yeah. get all the frustration. Yep. I totally get all the frustration. We need to win games. But I also won't watch a game and tell you that I didn't see anything get better. And I won't watch a game and say, well, that that – I don't see any improvement across the line because I see I see improvement nearly at every level and I, and even including the quarterback if you're talking about Luke. So I'm not going to say that either. That being said, win a damn game, <laughs> win a damn game. Well, Boomer, help us out with the last part, and that's on special teams. There, help us win the game. What do we need to do better? What have we improved in, and, and where do we need to get better on that special team side to to just get over the hump and win one of these games? Well, the first thing to do would be just figure out how to keep one of our freaking kickers healthy, you know, whether it's, you know, the kicker, the punter, whatever it is. I know we're this season we lost our Australian kicker to kangaroo disease or whatever it was that happened. And, <laughs> and it's... it's it, Marsupial lupus. Yeah, marsupial lupus. Yeah, it's... I mean, it hurt us again. I mean, if you look at, like, the, just the punting that we've had this season, net punting, we're we're not good. I think um, we're 109th currently in the country in net punting, where we'd mentioned a couple of podcasts ago how bad Minnesota was and how horribly that's impacted their games. They average about 33 net yards of punt, you know, once you counter in the return and the kick that you make. Well, we average 33.8, so we're not much better. And that's an incredible stat. And Kansas, you know, is 33.3 net yards of punt. I mean, Kansas has plenty of practice punting. They've had 51 punts already this year. We've had 10. But uh, 
you know, and and we saw in the game just how often did that flip fields. Uh, we couldn't kick it inside the twenty. Northwestern did that with regularity, even even if they aren't moving the ball or can't score a lot of points. Say they're kicking it, and we're back at the the ten, the fifteen, and that's where we have to get those long drives to try to even have a hope of scoring points. We churn out drives, and we don't get the points on it, and that's a huge part of the game that people just often kind of forget about and neglect, and that's that's huge. Yeah, Boomer. I mean, they had a, a decent punt, the one that had the good hang time, and we had two guys right down there, right on the re- returner, and he splits them just inexplicably. He, yeah, I have no idea what those guys were doing. It goes for, yeah. what, 25 yards yeah. or whatever? And to your point, that is a, a part to highlight in this game, was that Northwestern knew how to flip the field at times through special teams. And that's, you know, they did it with a kickoff return, where, again, we can't get a kicker to get it into the end zone. Yeah, and that, that's a maddening thing, too. I don't quite get that. I mean, I get the wind and the wind of the field, but you should have it on the other. You should be able to get that, you know, into the end zone. Sure. And again, it it just it sets you up to just make things harder than they have to be. You just have to drive such a long distance to the field. It makes it easier for the other team to get into to scoring distance, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. They just That's where those points per yard stats really kind of show themselves. That's, that's one of the big mm-hmm. things, along with takeaways, is just how can you flip the field? What's, what's your net? Special teams average, and we saw it there. I blame PlayStation. You know, growing up, I never punted on PlayStation. <laughs> I never, you know, I would, I would, I would try to fail or catch it from the from the five just so I could get maximum yards. And I feel like that's translated well, into these these young guys not understanding the importance. Yeah. Tech Mobile, uh, I would just you know onside oh, every yeah, time yeah. relentlessly. Absolutely, know. if you did it right, <laughs> no can defense. Um, Dave, what about the punt return game? Because right now we've got some great talent back there, Wandell. We're not getting returns. I mean, everything's a fair catch right now. And there are times that, that some of these are not fair catchable. Some of these we should be get, trying to get returns off of them. Yeah, they, I mean, Wandell seems tentative to actually go ahead and, and see if he can break one, which I just don't get. I mean, it just feels like it's been forever since that's even been a potential threat mm-hmm. uh, for us. And it's a, a big part of the game. and. I mean, they ultimately took Wandell out. Uh, it was Cam Taylor Britt that actually fulfilled the last punt, and he did actually try to return it. The the mm-hmm. punt right before then, you know, or, or so Wandell had had room. Fair caught it. He had the other one that went over his head, and I mean, having negative yards returning on that. So whether it's Wandell or someone else, we just got to find someone who. Yeah, you want to guess which team is uh, ranks a little dead last in punt returns for the nation? Oh, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We don't. We don't even try boomer, so it's pretty easy. I mean, it's it's incredible. Well, you know, I, I wasn't we ranked so high in the worst possible statistics. Yeah, I wasn't even paying attention to yards per uh, point back in 2014, but that had to be crazy what Pearsonell did for our stats in that regard. I mean, you know, he could just flip fields and score points in in ways that we just haven't seen since then. We've got to be able to get somebody back there. To do that again, whether yeah, it's Wandell, is no worse than Pearson. Like, well, I mean, you just can't tell me he's, he's certainly a, an incredible talent, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got players yeah. that if it's not him, then then you insert somebody else. We've got speed, we've got talent, and that's I think you know that goes back to some of the questions that we've got from Redcasters today about it. Seems like the, the talent's here now. Why isn't it getting used in some ways? So, I mean, basically moving forward, you know, we've got to just find a way to get that, you know, get some yards out of that, right, and start to flip the field. Well, guys, I mean, I think we went through a lot, Dave, and uh, I mean, you sure did. I'm sorry we didn't get to ever all the questions, but uh, appreciate them all. Again, you can continue to send us questions next week. Uh, 
at GoBigRedCast on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, you can always email us at the GoBigRedCast at Gmail inbox. All right, let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots and predictions. Boomer. Well, first off, uh, for those of you that want to get uh, Mac and Honky, their uh, PJ Fleck-esque uh, partial zip pullovers, I think they both take XLs. So since they're <laughs> so big true. youth. Oh, no, well, okay, true. Mac might be able to, to rock an L. but uh, True for me. Right with that. And predictions. This is going to be an interesting game. This is going to be one of those make or break for the season type games i think for both teams nebraska this is going to kind of set the tone for what we're going to do for the rest of the season who's going to start a quarterback finding where these young players are really going to step up and make a difference going forward penn state's had a heck of a start to their season their own three i don't think anyone would have predicted that going in this is they could easily be checked out by the time you know this game comes along, I don't know. So it, this will be an interesting uh, matchup for both teams. Uh, Penn State. Boomer, what was Sean Clifford's uh, completion percentage? It, it was he had thirty incompletions, I think. So if you want to find uh, some other team with a quarterback position struggling more than us, we, we're going to be playing it on Saturday. Yeah, they turn out. They, they put up a lot of passing yards somehow. They don't run the ball worth a darn. But uh, I want to see where the teams are at, where they're at in the head, and that'll be a good sign for how the seasons are going to finish for both teams. Um, might be a little homerism in me, but I think somehow we're probably a little more into the season still than the Lions are. Let's say Nebraska 21, Penn State 14. What the heck? 21-14, all right. Mac. Boomer, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with your optimism. Almost scared by it a little bit. I, I do think... Um, this is a super important game for the Huskers, probably more so than it is for the Nittany Lions because of their, you know, they've had some opt-outs. It's something we haven't had to deal with at all. But this is also our first home game for whatever that's worth. But there should be some energy to glean from Lincoln, Nebraska. I hope that bears out. But um, a hungry Husker team with some youth, hopefully at the quarterback position. I'm, this is my predictions with Luke starting. But I think we go, I think it's like 34-17 Huskers. I mean, I just, I feel like, I feel like we finally push the ball down the field and, and we start scoring some points. But I'm not predicting a loss against an, uh, a winless Nittany Lion team. No way. Not this guy. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Hockey, who do you got? To Mac's point, there's no way I'm picking a, a loss here to an 0-3 Penn State team, which, again, just shows how crazy this season is. I mean, this was a guaranteed loss in a lot of people's minds just, you know, three short weeks ago, and now all of a sudden it's, you know, does Penn State, are they even going to care enough to show up and play, right? Um, look, they looked like a disaster against Maryland. Um, we're young, and I think we're going to see young guys play again. I <laughs> think we're going to so see a PJ ton. Fleck I episode. think we're going to see a ton of sparks out there on both sides of the ball, and I, I, I think we're going to see some big plays from guys that are 2019 and 2020 players. Young. So it'll be close for a while. We'll win 51 to three. I do. I love it, man. That's great. Uh, hey, for the Redcast Nation out there, Honky and I are going to watch the game together, which has typically been a pretty good omen. I mean, take the Illinois game last year. Yeah. No concerns throughout the entire game. <laughs> Michigan <laughs> State right. the year before. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we, we won in a, in a snowstorm with a field goal. So, yeah, yeah. it should be no problem. Well, Dave, how about you? Uh, yeah. Um, 
you know, I think uh, opening the line is around three or four points. I think it'll probably end up being that neck of the woods. I think we'll hit the magic number of, of 30 uh, offensive points for, for Nebraska. I say 31-27 because, to your point, what the heck? Why are, why not predict the, the Huskers? Eventually they're going to win, and I'm going to be on the right side. The point spread's in favor of who? Penn State Penn currently. State's favorite. Yeah. Oh, of course. All right. Three and a half probably right now, Boomer? Yeah, it's, it's wavering between three and a half and four. It, I think four, it opened yeah. right around there. It's the line hasn't moved a whole lot yet in a day or two. Yeah. So So yeah. Well we'll see you guys. Um another early kickoff. Hopefully this time it goes in our favor. For now, let's call that a go big red cast. Red Big Lions. Thank you.